Are you ready for God's word? You're ready to lean in. Are you excited about God's word? If anyone's here saying, yeah, I'm not really into God's word, just raise your hand. We'll just, we'll just do a Holy Spirit attack real quick and just pray for you and, and see if we can't. No, I'm just kidding. Some of you are going, oh my goodness, where did I show up? We are talking about spiritual warfare today. And we started that topic last week and, and today concludes our sermon series on winning together. Now, this is what I want you to understand, that if you are a couple and you have dedicated your marriage before the Lord, that means you stood before God and said, Lord, we take the marriage covenant. Marriage is a covenant. Contracts are about about, uh, legal issues. Marriage is not just a legal thing, it is a spiritual thing. And so when you stand before God and you take that covenant, God says, then I want to be for you. And, and the minute God says, I want to be for you, and I call this blessed, that's when the enemy says, I'm going to see what I can do about that. Now, I want you to know something, that what God has blessed, no one can curse, including the enemy. But you know what you can do? You can take yourself from God's provision and God's protection, and you can move yourself out here and say, I don't want it, God. I think I'll go at it my way. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. Because when you go at it your way, then he's got a straight shot and he can easily overpower you. We're dealing with a superior force. Superior to us, not superior to God. So we're going to talk about God's blessing, but I also want you to know that in spiritual warfare, this is a very, very serious thing. Last week, I spent almost the entire message talking to you about the spiritual realm and the spiritual fight that's taking place in the spiritual realm. I wanted to open your eyes to the fact that the Bible mentions demons or angels or fallen angels in one way, shape, or form over 300 times. Over 90% of the books cover this topic, that the Bible keeps insisting that there is a spiritual world and a spiritual fight taking place for your soul and for your, and, and for your life. The Bible also talks about the spiritual counsel or the divine counsel. Talks about the fact that these spiritual demonic forces have ranks and organization and that at some point God allowed these spiritual hosts to be over the kingdoms of this world. And that the kingdom of this world is over is led by the enemy. You say, whoa, wait a minute. I thought God was over everything. God is over everything, but for the purpose of of right here and now, the Lord has allowed Satan to rule this world. Now, will that be forever? You just have to read your Bible and know that that's not going to be forever. At some point, he gets what he has coming to him. And the, and the, and the Lord says, enough's enough. I'm taking my world back, and I'm taking creation back, and, and I, won't, I won't tolerate you any longer. But I want you to remember this, and you say, Pastor, why are you, are you pushing this so much? Because if the minute you forget is the minute he can overpower you because you start you 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 fail to realize how significant the fight is. And so read with me in the book of Ephesians where Paul says, I love what Paul says. He says, "For we wrestle not against flesh and blood." So can I just tell you something? Your your wife is not your enemy, guys. More important, ladies, your your husband is not your enemy. 
I, and you're like, oh no, I know he's not my enemy, but he's sent by the enemy to aggravate me. That may be so, he may be a source of aggravation. Some of you are saying, if I could just get him to pick up his clothes, put the top on the toothpaste, put the seat down, if I can just get him to do a little help around the house, then maybe I would change my mind and I'll see what I can do about that in this message. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. We're not going to talk about that, guys. But we are going to talk about the fact you're not fighting against other people. Your battle really isn't against other people. It's not against that guy that cuts you off, the obnoxious driver, the, or the horrible coworker, or any of those things. Your fight is against a spiritual enemy in the heavenly places, against principalities, powers, rulers of this dark age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, in the heavenly realm. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. So this is why Paul is saying, get serious, get ready. You're going to need a spiritual armor if you're going to be able to stand against the devils on that day. Now, I love what he says. He doesn't say if the day comes, but when the day comes. You know what that means? It's coming. It's on its way. I don't know if I like that. Wait, time out. Can I opt out? It won't do you any good. This is the thing. The minute you become a child of God, he hates you. He hates you, and he wants to destroy you. But I would rather, listen to me very closely, I would rather have God love me and the enemy hate me than it be reversed. Amen? And so we're talking about a spiritual fight. What are we to do with this? Well, James puts it very clearly. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So to put it very, very simple, we're going to use that verse as our verse today to title our message, Persist to resist. And no, that's not a democratic slogan. Some of you are saying, I've seen the bumper sticker. Yeah, there's a lot of Democrats in, 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 uh, in, in Austin. But, but can I tell you, I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, you don't battle against other politicians, against other political forces. You battle against a spiritual force. And our job is not to resist one another, but as Christians to resist the spiritual force that wants to destroy not only our country, but our churches, our community, and most of all, your family. That's who we're fighting against. So we've got to resist. That's what the Bible says. Look, read it really closely. Submit then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Resist the devil and he will flee. So persist to resist. I want to give you some good news right up front. First John tells you that you're okay and that he cannot harm you. He's going to roar. He's going to try to get you out of God's protection. But as long as you stay in God's protection, you'll be okay. Listen to what the Bible says. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. That means as long as we submit to God and stay under his covering, then this is the promise we have. The one, now notice the one is, is capitalized. Who is that one? That's Jesus Christ. The one who was born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. Can I tell you, the evil one cannot harm you. He cannot harm you. So when you resist him, you need to stand in the faith that 
doesn't matter his attack, he cannot harm you. See, we're talking about spiritual warfare is a satanic attack. What's a satanic attack? Well, we said last week, it's a, it's a strategic assault by the enemy upon you as an individual with the purpose of doing you harm, either in your spirit, your soul, or your body. Spirit, mind, your emotional framework, or your body. Now, I want to I submit to you that, that, the, that the soul stands between the spirit and the body. Stands between the, the spirit on this side and the carnal flesh on this side. And so the body has always been referred to in spiritual terms or in, or in, in biblical terms as the flesh. What's the flesh? The flesh is that fallen state that connects us to this world and this realm that Satan is over. And so we face a real enemy, and this enemy uses the world and the flesh to get at us. He uses his system that he has set up. What kind of a system? It's a dog-eat-dog system, isn't it? It's a rat race type of a system where we're constantly going and wanting more and desiring more and stepping over each other and fighting over each other and, and looking for any way to make a profit. So what are Satan's objectives? I'm going really, really quickly because I want to get to the last part. That's the good part. All right. Satan's objectives are to distract, deny, discourage, deceive, divide, and destroy. Six systems. Six objectives. How does he distract? What does he do to distract? He uses shiny things, doesn't he? He uses shiny things. He uses things that grab our attention. Why? Because he's using, he's trying to access our mind to what? Heighten us in a fleshly way so that we can attach to a fleshly system that he has created. And he uses shiny objects. The Bible says, the lust of the eyes. It's got to be glimmer. It's got to be shiny. It's got to be attractive for it to be, a, a, to, for it to have any power over you, doesn't it? What if it's dull? Someone said to me once, I said, oh, I, I don't get tempted at all when, I, when this and this and this happens. I said, I guess you wouldn't. That's not attractive. But, well, well, well he, he has no power. Can I tell you this? If it's not shiny, if it's not attractive, it's not the enemy messing with you. When he messes with you, you'll know. Anyone ever been there? When he messes with you, he'll, he'll hit you right where, where, where you're at. What do I mean by we're at? We're all different, and he knows us better than we know ourselves. Why? Because he's been watching you. As a superior being, what do I mean by that? He, he's immortal. He doesn't die. And he has tricked far greater people than us. And he has watched and he has learned the psychology of the human mind. And he knows how to get at us. And so he's been watching you as a little girl. He's been watching you as a, as a young man. He's been watching you as a middle-aged man, as a middle-aged woman. He knows who you are. And it's interesting because, because how many of us know we're different? from each other. And so what tempts so-and-so, and that's why it's easy to get proud because I look across and I go, oh, that would never work with me. And the enemy's going, you're right. But I know what would. 
and pride comes before the fall. So he'll show you other people falling and you get puffed up and go, oh, that would never work with me because that day I just don't do this and I just don't do that. And the enemy's going, yeah, but you do this. Watch this. Has you, have you ever been there? You know, just the other day I saw this, uh, I saw the differences in, in the three girls in, in my life. The three main girls in my life are my wife, my beautiful daughter, and my other gorgeous daughter, Evelyn. And uh, Evelyn sings right on this side, and, and she's so different from my wife, and, and my wife's so different from Raquel. And all. But the other day, my wife went to uh, a nail salon here in town. I won't say who it, who it was, but went to a nail salon here in town, and she had a horrible experience. And how many of you know I've grown? I'm just going to brag on myself a minute. I have grown because ever since I've known my wife, even before we started, uh, uh, we, before we got married and we were just dating, she has had salon issues. <laughs> and some of you guys are going, yes, I know all about the salon issues. Salon issues cause problems. I'm telling you, salons, please get it together. You are wrecking marriages all over America. Because what happens is the lady comes back completely upset, completely disappointed, and the guys want to fix it, but how many of you know there's no fixing it? I tried to fix it once, and I ended up doing nails for like two, three months. You remember that, guys? My nail designs were awesome. <laughs> awesome. I did all kinds of nails, and she was like, we need to keep this up. I said, no, please. <laughs> you need to go back. So anyway... But, but this is what happened. She comes, she's upset, she's, she's about to cry, and I'm just like, I'm trying to fix it, I can't fix it, so it's starting to get tense, and then what do you do? You get angry. Guys, if you're anything, you're gonna go to your go-to move. How do I fix things? I get upset. I get frustrated. When I start getting frustrated, I'm just like, well, nobody told you to go in here. Shut up. <laughs> You've learned something. And then I said, how much did I pay? And you didn't get what you liked? And she said, oh. And I said, that's okay. That's all right, baby. I'm so sorry you feel that way. I wish I could do so. Can I, is there anything I can do? Well, you can pay to get some more done. <laughs> and Raquel says, I'll do the research, mom. So she starts researching, researching. Raquel is a researcher. That's her makeup. That's who God made her. And so she researches and she finds a certain salon. Now, mom says, well, you know what would be really nice? Since Raquel did all this legwork, could you pay for her? And I said, man, I can't wait for her to get married. <laughs> this is going to be Christian's deal soon. I'm going to send you the bill. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I said, yes, we can pay for Raquel. And then they come and say, but Evie really feels left out. <laughs> She's 14. Now you see where this is going. The enemy's subtle. He works on you. No, I'm just kidding. Your wife is not your enemy, remember. So I rebuked the devil right there now. So what happens is, is they get together, they're going to the salon, I'm driving them because Honey and I are gonna run some errands. And I'm driving and I go, where's the address? And so she's telling me where to go and I go, whoa, wait a minute, you said north side of Austin. I'm thinking domain, this is like, ay Dios mio, this is, like when you go rescue someone from drugs, that's where, I, that's where you go. This ain't the good side of north, this isn't domain arboretum, this is, I'll just put it like that. This is like one of my old neighborhoods in Houston. 
and, and I'm kind of getting a little worried, but I don't want to say nothing because it's going to cause another problem. You know what I'm saying? And they have their appointment. We drive into the neighborhood, into the little shopping center, and you should see my wife's reaction. Oh my goodness. I'm not getting down. Lock the car. <laughs> and Raquel's like, but I researched it so well. I spent an hour, I read all the reviews and there were pictures and there were So you see the two personalities. One's like, shut, nope. I'm done. The other's going, I'm going on my research. And the one in the back's going, this is awesome. I've always wanted to go to a ghetto salon because they know how to do. Because they know how to do nails, baby. And I'm saying, this is how I grew up. Good luck. (laughs) Get out. Can I tell you, the enemy already knows the differences in your personalities. And he's going to use that against you if you let him. He's going to use that against you if you let him. You face a serious enemy who wants to distract you. He'll use shiny things. He wants to deny God what his God-given right, or not, what, what, what his right is. And his right is to have you bring him worship as one of his children. He's going to try to deny that to God. How? Because if he distracts you, then you won't worry about God. You'll get so caught up in the world in what? He'll discourage you by speaking straight into your mind. He, he battles you up here between the ears. What is he going to tell you? I'll tell you what he's going to tell you. You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not good enough. Your marriage will never make it. Your relationship's over. There's nothing you can do about it. You're this. You're that. You're this. You're that. Can I tell you, stop arguing with him. Some of you sit there and argue and try to tell him how good you are. Can I tell you, that will never work because when you're saying it, you're trying to convince yourself too. And he's sitting there smiling, going, you don't believe it, but you're putting it out there. And he just takes it and slaps you in the head with it. The best thing you can do is say, I know I'm not enough, but glory be to God, he is. What's he going to do with that? He already knows God is enough. Why don't you say, yes, and I'm exactly the kind of nobody God likes to use. Because the Bible says he uses the inferior. He uses the foolish. He uses the stupid. He uses the the ones that don't have, the ones that are broke, the ones that, that are unintelligent. He uses people just like me. And you know what that's doing? That's humbling. When you say, I'm nobody, but you're everything, God. Come and do what only you can do. And Lord, in your might and your power, Show this guy who you're about, who you're all about and how you work. Stop falling victim to his discouragement. He uses deception to deceive us and to thwart our purpose. What is your purpose? Your purpose is to do what God created you to do. Can I tell you? That's part of the distraction. Some of us think that we're in charge and God's supposed to put the sauce on our food. Can I tell you, you're the sauce on his food. Meaning it's all for 
his glory. You're at his table. He's not, it's not reverse. What do I mean by that? I think some of us think this is my life. This is what I desire. This is what I've outlined. This is what suits me and what makes sense to me. So God, get with the program and come bless this thing already. And God is saying, that's not how I work. You've fallen into the enemy's plan. You're over in his camp. You're building this thing, and you want me to put my blessing on it so that it can take you further into destruction? No, thank you. I think I'll let it fall apart, and when you really need me, then my grace will carry you back over here and show you that humility is where I need you. Humility is not walking around going, oh, I'm a nobody. Humility is saying, God, I'm good with what you desire. I'm humble enough to let you be God. I'm going to stop telling you what to do. I'm going to stop giving you suggestions, and I'm just going to say, Lord, take me where you need me. Do with me what you want. But that's scary. I didn't say it was easy. Okay, stay with me on this. He wants to divide us. We'll talk more about that because ultimately he wants to destroy us. How does he do this? He uses temptation, lies, fear, pride, and lust. What's a temptation? A temptation is something enticing. What's enticing? It's something that he can lure you with. Something that's going to get your attention that you want. I'm going to want it in the spiritual. No, you're going to want it in the flesh. What do you mean you're going to want it in the flesh? It's something that makes sense to your eyes because you find it pleasing to your sight. You find it pleasing to your touch, to your taste, to your smell. What's the last one? To your hearing. Because your senses is how you connect with the world. And he's going to use his worldly system to get to you so that he can drive his hooks in you. And once he has his hooks, then he holds you captive. That's what the Bible says. Holds you captive. That's why Jesus came, so that he might set you free. The more truth you know, the more freedom you get. This is true. You say, but pastor, how am I supposed to defeat this enemy? You have to realize how he works. He's going to work in your mind. But he's going to work by getting you, getting you heightened in the flesh. Look at that list again. He's going to tempt you. Then he's going to lie to you. He's going to tell you that what he's, what he's saying is true and that God somehow is trying to hold you back, trying to keep his best from you, trying to, trying to, to not give you what you deserve. Once he gets you thinking that way, then you start fearing, fearing you're missing out. Isn't that what Eve thought? I'm missing out. God is holding back this knowledge of good and evil. Somehow I could learn to be like God? The lie, the fear, the pride, the pride of life. I want to be like God and the lust for what you don't have. That's what he's trying to show you. Don't you want this? Don't you want this? Okay, watch how powerful this is, guys. Its whole purpose is to, is to kill peace and joy. Peace and joy. I want you to think about this. What marks a Christian as a Christian if not peace and joy? Jesus said, my peace, when he left this earth, he says, my peace, I leave with you. You know what that is? That's the sign of the Holy Spirit. Peace and joy. If you have peace, what can the enemy do to you? You know what that peace is? That peace is saying what Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. You want to threaten my life? 
I go to heaven. You want to leave me here? I preach Christ. Either way, you don't win because I'm at peace. That's what Paul said when he said, I've learned to be content. Why? Because I don't put my desires out there. I already have sacrificed my desires and now I live for the purpose of my king. He wants to give me a lot, I enjoy it. He wants to give me a little, I enjoy it. Regardless of where I'm at, whatever my king decides to give me, I enjoy it. I've learned, listen, this is what he's saying. I want you to get a different mindset because some of you are saying, how can he enjoy a little? How can you do that? How can you do that? Listen, he's saying, I know what it's like to to vacation in a four-star hotel, but I also know what it's like to go camping. I like both. Whatever God determines, when God says, hey, Paul, you're going camping, I'm like, yeah, woo! When when he says, hey, Paul, you're going to stay at the Ritz, woo! Either way, I'm good. God has this beautiful, awesome life for me to live, and he's surprising me all the time. He's just surprising me. Some of you are going, wow, I never thought of it that way. Both are cool and fun. And that's what Paul is saying. I've learned, so I got peace and I have joy, but can I tell you, the enemy wants to steal that because if he can steal your peace and joy, he can hurt your relationships. That's ultimately what he wants. Think about it. He wants to destroy your relationship with God and then your relationship with others. What did God say? Love the Lord your God, how? With all of your heart, soul, body, body, and strength, right? How does he attack you? Soul, body, and spirit. That's how he attacks you. So watch, love the Lord with all of your soul, body, and spirit. That's what he's saying. And love others as yourself. So if you want to boil with Christianity down to one verse, it's you love God and then you love others, the sign of the cross. He's going to attack your relationship with God and he's going to attack your relationship with others starting in your home. But how does he do it? by turning peace and joy against you. When there's no peace, there's frustration. When there's no joy, there's striving. Not only striving and frustration, this is the way it works. Insecurity, I'm not enough, I need more, this is not fulfilling to me. When I'm not fulfilled and I'm short with my children, I'm short with my spouse, I'm short with my husband, I'm filtering everything through that. Now I'm thinking he doesn't think I'm enough, she doesn't think I'm enough, and you start fighting against each other, and before long you're at odds and you view each other as the enemies because you're the source of my frustration. No, she's not, no, he's not. It's the enemy, he's playing a game on you. You need to stop. He's running game on you. Can I tell you something that just happened today that I thought was awesome and I give God thanks for it, and that's my beautiful wife. Can I tell you, when, when you are walking with the Lord, he will bless you in ways you don't deserve. So y'all don't have to agree that much. Some of you are like, yeah, you don't deserve that. How'd this ugly dude get her? I'm just going to tell you it was God. Yeah, I got some of her relatives going, yeah. <laughs> hey, don't get mad at me because I'd answer my prayers better than y'all's. <laughs> they were praying against me. We see who won. <laughs> I just want to say this. Today, I'm shaving my hair because it's getting, it was getting ugly, and so I was going, I was buzzing it. That's not shaving, buzzing. I was buzzing it, right? And I look in the mirror, and I go, man, babe, I'm getting old. I'm bald. 
some of y'all celebrating too much. I'm going to come over here. I said, I'm getting old, Jacob. I'm getting bald. You know? I said, you remember when I was young and good looking? She goes, baby, you're better looking than ever. She goes, I love that hairdo. I'm like, what hairdo? (laughs) But it just reminded me. I'm like, man, that's the way we're supposed to be with one another. And when God is king in our lives and the enemy is out and we don't allow him to turn turn us against each other. See, this is the thing. If God be for you, who can be against you? But the enemy will try to trick you and get you out from God's provision so then he can attack you. As long as you remain under God's covering, there's not a thing he can do to you. And he may not like it, but everything he'll do will only bless you. How do you stay there? That's what we're going to talk about here. How do we honor our relationships? We got to guard our mindset. Listen to what the Bible says here. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live like the world does. That's what the Gentiles mean. Don't live like the world. How does the world live? Gratifying their flesh. Live like the kingdom of God, a child of God for the spirit, for the spirit. Okay, watch this. No longer live like the world does in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. This is what happens. You turn to the world. The world will begin to darken your understanding. Your thoughts are no use. I've seen this. I've seen this very progression when I've counseled people. You sit and you talk to them and it's like you cannot get through. Their own thoughts betray them and send them deeper. Have you ever counseled someone where everything they say is reinforcing their stupidity? And you're like, I'm talking to a brick wall. This is what's happening here. Darkened in their understanding, their own thoughts are futile. That means it sinks them deeper and deeper They got a hardened of the heart. That means they have no sensitivity for the things of God, a heightened sensuality, and they just want more and more of the world. And you want to do this to them. You want to say, hey, brother, lean in. And they come close. First, they're angry. And I say, I don't have to counsel you. We don't have to do this. I got a good family. But if you want help, you want help. Yeah, I guess. Get real close. Quit being so cabezudo. That comes from my daddy. My daddy said, quit being so hard-headed. You just want to smack somebody and go. I mean, you say that's counseling 101. Absolutely it is. Sometimes that's the only way. You got to slap brother good if you want him to get it sometimes. Some of you are saying that is so bad. That's called Mexican style counseling. Uh, Okay, let's keep going. So watch what he says. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, continually wanting more. So what's the key? Verse 20. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. So it is possible to learn a different way. How do you learn a different way? 
How do you learn anything? I don't know about you, but for me, repetition. You just keep doing it. You keep doing it. What you keep doing, you will keep learning better and better and better. But if you turn to God and you learn putting him first, you'll get better at putting him first. You'll get better at submitting to him. You'll get better thinking his thoughts. You'll get better. See, but we're going to talk about this real, real quickly because what I want you to understand is what happened in the garden. God puts you in the garden and he says, I have given you revelation, but Eve traded revelation for reasoning. And the enemy will always come at you with reasoning. I need you to think about this really, really. What is reasoning? It's got to make sense to me. No, revelation is saying, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's where God wants you to be. Think about it with me for a second. Without faith, you cannot please God. That means without faith, you cannot have a relationship with God. So when God gives you revelation and you say, I believe it, then immediately God draws close to you. And when God draws close to you, he gives you more revelation. Some of us are here today saying, Pastor, I would love to read his word the way you talk about it, but I just don't understand it. Can I tell you why? You're trying to reasoning what he's, what he's given you. Stop reasoning what he's given you and start believing it and doing it. The minute you walk, he'll give you more and you can take another step. And then he gives you more, you can take another step. He gives you more, you can take another step. But instead, you're like, no, it's got to make sense to me. And God says, how long do you have? I waited 40 years for the children of Israel in the desert. You want to wait 40 years? Can I tell you, you can't outweigh God. Some of us have gotten so turned around that the enemy has us like spoiled little children doing this to God. And God's going, you're not going to make me move because you pout. I called you to be powerful, not pouty. I called you to be powerful, not pitiful. I called you to be a winner, not a whiner. Come on. And so you can learn a different way. How do you learn a different way? You got to learn to defeat anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, and complaining, because those are the four that he uses against us in relationships. Anger. What do we mean anger? Some of us, I don't get angry, but we get passive aggressive. What do we mean by passive aggressive? Come on, any ladies in the room can attest to this, say, when I get angry, you better not touch me. I go, Pastor Melissa used to come to bed angry. I could always tell because she goes. And you just hear the rustling in the sheets and she's like, and I'm like, oh, she's mad. (laughs) Can I tell you something, ladies? Guys don't even know what you're mad about. Half the time we're so clueless, we just go, I think all that shaking and means she's mad. I'm going to test it. And I just barely touch her. She goes, don't touch me. And I go, I got to test it. I got to make sure. Touch it one more time. She goes, don't touch me. I already told you I'm mad at you. And she will sleep on the seam of the mattress to prove how mad she is. I mean, because, and, and I can't use myself because I won't. I'll sleep right in the middle of the bed. And then she won't get the covers because she don't want to touch me. And she's the cold-natured one. So I go up and I'll put the, I'll put the AC real cold. Some of you are going, that's mean. 
Can I tell you God does the same thing to us? God says, you're going to be mad, so you want to stay way over there away from me? I'll see how hot I can make it. I'll see how cold I can let. I'm going to let your decisions have their effect till you realize I love you. Baby, I love you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I got to be God in the scenario. That's awesome. I'll hear about it later. I may be calling y'all for an extra bedroom, but either way, anger. You say, anger, does this really have anything to do with it? Turn with me in Ephesians chapter four. We were just in Ephesians chapter four when we talked about the darkening of the understanding, the futility, hardening of the heart. You go down that chapter a little bit, you'll run into this verse. Be angry, but do not sin. So it is possible to have a righteous anger. What does it mean? If something really horrible happens to you and it's unfair, it's okay to be angry. When does it turn to sin? When you get selfish. How do you know when you've gotten selfish? When you start worrying more about you than you do about God. When you know God's word says this, but you're like, I don't care what good word says, I'm angry, Lord. Come on, how many of us have ever been there? When you're angry and the Lord says, I need you to forgive, and you're like, no, I ain't ready to forgive. Now, I would rather, because uh, my wife is, is in, in the certain room in the house, I would rather go outside and around through the back door just not to see her. I'm so angry. Hmm. See, some of us don't realize when it becomes selfishness because we don't know our word enough. And the enemy will come and lie to you and say, that's not selfishness. You have a right to feel that way. But what do we live by? We live by God's word. If God's word says you do not have a right to live that way because my son came and showed you a better way then you adhere to his word. And we have to learn to walk in his word because anger that gets slept on turns into unforgiveness. And unforgiveness in our relationships will crater them because it's a cancer to relationships. And can I tell you, the demons never forgive. Therefore, they will never be forgiven. Can I tell you, that's what Satan would like to sow into your life. He would love for you to grab hold or let him get that hook in you of unforgiveness. Because as long as he keeps you from forgiving, he can keep you from connecting to God's forgiveness. You say, Pastor, I don't believe it. Read 1 John. Remember I told you last week, I'm, I'm all up in 1 John. 1 John talks about how can you say you love God, but yet you don't forgive and love your brother? If you don't forgive and love your brother, how can you say you've experienced the love and forgiveness of the Father? What, what John was talking about was that little story that Jesus told about two men. They were both forgiven by the king sums of money. Right? Well, the one, I, I should say, the one that was forgiven a sum of money had another guy that owed him money. He goes to him and what? Forces him to pay that money. When he cannot do it, he throws him in jail. The king finds out about it and says, wait a minute, I gave you forgiveness, but you wouldn't give your brother forgiveness? This doesn't work for me. Can I tell you that's God saying, I forgive you, forgive each other. Because the enemy wants to attack you guys in this area. Once it turns into bitterness, then, then, then you just live in this constant state of bitterness. You know what bitterness is? It's the opposite of joy and peace. 
It's stagnation of God's flowing water. And you say, it cannot stagnate. That's right. That means you've shut it off and you've dammed it up. And now it's beginning to putrefy. You say, well, what do I do with, I'll tell you what, what, what will happen. You'll start to complain and you'll start to complain and murmur and get upset. And complaining is a slavery mindset. It's a natural mindset of being a slave. You say, well, what do you mean? You're saying, I'm a complainer, I'm, I'm, I'm a slave. That means you've allowed yourself to camp out with the world. You're never satisfied and you never will be satisfied because the only thing that can satisfy you is the goodness of your father. You say, okay, so what do I do? I need you to realize what James said, resist. How do I resist? Well, turn in your Bibles because I'm going to read the first part of that chapter and see if we can't get any clues. Watch what he says. In chapter 4, verse 7, he says, submit to God and resist the devil. Simple instructions. But do you realize he gives us the context before he gets to that simple instruction, and it's found in verse 1. Read with me. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Anyone want to know? Well, James is about to tell you. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You see what the enemy's trying to get you to do? He's trying to ch- get you to chase after the world, because when you chase after the world, it become, you become part of that doggy dog mentality. And that doggy dog mentality doesn't give you what you need to really love your children and your spouse the way you're called to and to love your brothers the way you're called to. Why? Because you're always on edge and you're always wanting and the, the less satisfied you feel, the more you take it out on others. That's the truth. When you don't feel satisfied, it's gonna show up in the way you treat others. Watch, it's right there. You do not have because you do not ask of God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. So you're over here and you get frustrated and you hear a message, you're like, Lord, I just want And God's like, I'm not gonna give you a thing because as long as you're facing that direction, when I bless you, you're gonna go deeper. No. What you need is a mighty move of grace. Watch this. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Same thing that 1 John says. Do not love the world or the things of the world, for the world is passing away in all of its lusts and all of its desires. Watch this. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be friends with the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that he that he jealously longs for the spirit he has created to dwell in us. But he gives us more grace. Okay, here's the grace. You want to know how you get that powerful thing called grace to swoop you out of there and to transform your life? This is how you do it. God opposes the proud. Stop being proud and show favor to the humble. Start being humble. That's the key. Humble yourself and God will come and lift you up on eagle's wings and transport you over here before his throne of grace and then we begin to answer your prayers. You got to be humble. You say, I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. Turn with me to 1 Peter. 
Watch what he says there. Be sober and vigilant. Um, vigilant. Be sober and be vigilant. What does it mean? It means you have to have a lookout. Because the devil is like a roaring lion. I'm running out of time, but the other day, my kids and Christian, Christian's my witness. I don't know, not, not that I don't trust my girls, but they saw a wolf in our neighborhood. And I know what Central, I know what Texas Parks and Wildlife says, there are no wolves. Can I tell you, there's plenty of people capturing wolves on film. And these guys saw one. So now when I go walking, I'm like, I got a gun here, I got a knife here. I'm like Rambo, man, I'm just like. Some of you need to start walking around like this. Spiritually, looking like, where's, where's the enemy trying to get in and attack my family? Not on my watch, uh-uh. Some of you are walking like Little Red Riding Hood, having conversation with the wolf. Like, are you kidding me? Me and the wolf aren't gonna talk. Listen to what he says. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, would like, is like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. There's that word again, resist him. Steadfast with faith. Remember faith. You go, yeah, but, but it doesn't make the connection with humility. Go up a few verses. Watch this. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. That's me. Submit to your pastors. Submit to your leaders. He's trying to sever relationships. Watch this. It takes humility to submit. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace, that supernatural agent that will transport you. That's drop the mic time right there. That, that's he's saying, you want a supernatural empowerment to overcome the devil? Humble yourself. That's, that's saying, Lord, you're God. I trust you. I'm going to stop fearing. I'm going to stop listening to what he's saying about my relationship. If it ends, it ends, but it's going to be by your will, by your power. I'm going to trust in your grace. I'm going to stop arguing with him, and I'm going to start talking to you, God. Fill my heart with, come on now. Some of us need to humble ourselves in the area of our business, in the area of our relationships, in the area of our finances, in the area of all these things. Why? Because to be humble, there's another story in God's word about David when all of his family and all of his men's families got stolen by the enemy and they wanted him to do something. You know what the hardest thing for David to do was for him to kneel. He had to kneel. And he had to pray to God in humility. Why? Because there was nothing he could do. Not a thing he could do without God's help. And he could hear his men saying, we're going to stone him. He better get up. He better do something. Can I tell you, that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to stand up, run around like a chicken with his head cut off, trying to figure it out on your own. You need to stop. You need to humble yourself and say, there's nothing I can do, God. Nothing I can do. I live at your good pleasure. You are my commander in chief. I sit and I wait on you, Lord. And the things you've called me to do, those things I will do. And I'll keep it simple. 
I held my word. I'll put your word in my heart and I'll just walk it out. And then God says, oh, you're ready for some, you're ready for some grace. You're ready for some spiritual juice. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come up. I think I did more preaching in the last three minutes than I did in the 30 minutes before. Woo! Is there anyone here that would just say, man, pastor, I I need that supernatural grace. I I think I've been trying to resist the devil in my own strength and, and I'm getting tired. I need to drop to my knees in humility humility of spirit and just say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to ask you to come and pray right here, right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would burden our hearts, prick our spirit, bring us to the point of humility, God. I pray for couples that need your help in their marriage. I pray for individuals that need your help and breakthrough in finances. I'm just going to ask them to come up right now. Even as I'm praying, I want them to just come up right now. I see your hand. I ask you, just come on up. Come on up. Maybe there's someone here and needs direction, Lord. And he feels, she feels like the enemy is clouding their thoughts so heavily, it's hard to think. I'm going to ask you to come up. Maybe there's parents here that need direction in raising their children because their children are going through a hard time, I'm gonna ask you to come up. Whatever it is, I'm gonna ask you to come up, humble yourself, get some of this grace. In Jesus' name, would you stand?